Well, uh, if, if y'all remember Canadian Roy at BMC, he told me a story once. Uh, he was, you know, he was sort of uh, Israel's uh, lieutenant while they were there, or one of them. And he said uh, one time uh, he was hanging out and Israel called him up and he said, I, I would love to impersonate Israel's charming accent, <laughs> but I will not. And, and he uh -oh. said, and Israel said, Roy, you have to tell me what city I'm in because I've forgotten. And uh, he he had, he had been traveling a lot, and I'm starting to feel like that. I've I've been uh, I've been in Seoul and Singapore. I'm in Singapore now, but every morning when I wake up, I'm mildly confused, and I look around and I think, what city am I in? And I don't know I don't know if 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 you get this, Matt Ray, when you travel a lot. But uh, I walk around. I kind of stumbled to the bathroom because I have a very small bladder, so I have to pee like two or three times a night. Remember those ads that have the piping for old men to get the prescription? Maybe I should get that. Uh, but anyways, I'll stumble to the bathroom, and I, I swear, most of the time, I, like, don't really know where I am, and then I go back to sleep. But this is, this is an occupational hazard of leaving, oh, yeah. living the privileged life. Maybe I should start yeah. writing it down. How do, you, how do you make sure you remember what city you're in? I mean, <laughs> other than the obvious one, well, like, like, you find well, out. Yeah, but... the, uh, mostly memento style. I, I, I write mm. it on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> this explains all those tattoos you have. <laughs> As you cross out each city with a date next to it, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, where, what city am I in? What, what is the date? Um, yeah, why is the Russian trying to kill me? Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely get that. You know, you so crazy jet lagged, and you wake up uh, from maybe a nap or something, and you're like, wait, is it tomorrow? Is it yesterday? You know, where no. am I? Um, I don't have a good answer. I, I mean, literally, I just kind of roll with it. Um, yeah, that's what you got to do. You you fake it till you make it. That is uh -huh. that is the secret to I think all of our jobs. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Brandon doesn't have to fake it because he has like a, a real normal job. But I think uh, I don't know. I feel like we just sort of put ourselves out there and uh, smile and nod, pretend like we know what we're doing, which I have found in in my uh, you know my my occasional therapy sessions. You're not supposed to fake it till you make it in real life. People, mm. people don't like it. They Whoa. like you to be Whoa. very genuine. That's gonna, that's gonna really do some damage to some people. Let's, let's. Uh, maybe we should edit that part out. Move. Uh, well, you know, also, it. also, also, pre-book recommendation that somehow I picked up from from Bridget in her Twitter stream. I read this uh, non-violent violent communication book on this trip, and there, there's a lot to offer in there. I'm pretty sure though that if you went through life speaking like this NVC guy. Everyone would think you were a total douchebag. So he, his the way of, of him speaking needs to be uh, sort of melded. It's a lot of speaking of like, is it's like let's see, let's let me think what Brandon just said. Uh, it was like Brandon, what I hear you saying is that you're worried about alienating people by giving them advice. Tell me about your feelings, and we can work through that. <laughs> and then we and did. then you are supposed to be so pleased. That I have identified what you're trying to say, and and then also very pleased that we can work for, through it to find out what you need. Uh, but I think there's and some. What good, is this? This is not nonviolent. Nonviolent communication, and the, the whole point of this guy. Oh, okay. The whole point of this guy uh -huh. is that the way we grow up to communicate is we're very judgmental and accusing of, of the way we say things. Even when we say thank you to someone, the way that we say thanks is kind of passing judgment on them. And so the nonviolence hmm. is more of like I need to find out what it is you need to be all Maslowian pyramid and feel secure and the way we are going to bond with each other and thus communicate better and go through life in this wonderful way 
is uh, is we are going to service each other's needs and uh, that that be nonviolent and help each other. It's very as I was reading it. It's very like uh, the it's contemporary like mindful Buddhism stuff, but he never really says mindful Buddhism, and and it mm-hmm. it goes beyond okay. your own head. Okay, I don't know. It's fun. There's uh, to be to be cynical about it. There's there's a tremendous I, I, amount of good psychological tricks you can pick up from don't it. Don't get violent defending your 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 book. Um, you know, it, we're not judging you, Kote. That's right. Mm-hmm. What I hear you saying is that. You feel nervous about the application of this theory that you think is helpful. So maybe what you need to do is we need to try this out, and I will be non-judgmental about it. Oh, but, I like it. Yeah, like there it. you go. I do think of shorthand for all these books because I much I do enjoy my behavior psychology quite a bit as well. But it does seem like the the shorthand would be um, everyone. Most people read all these books to like figure out how to deal with people in power. Because people mm. in power basically can say and do whatever they want. So you can either read a lot of the books and like it doesn't really provide any answers, or you can just try to aggregate more power and then just yeah. do whatever you want. So those mm. are like really so I think that's the opposite side of this is like don't worry about what anyone thinks. Just get as much power because at that point you can just do anything you that, want. I, I, think, I think you're a yeah. CEO or just anything. You know, it's no, like no, that's no, the no, way to it, go. Have lots that, of power. <laughs> Does it make you a, a sociopath if you read these books thinking how you can exploit them? Or what, you know what I hear you <laughs> saying, I Matt find, Ray, is that you're no, worried that people will judge your psychology. People in power, you read when you talk to like people in power, like many executives, like we would bring up some of these books, and like generally they have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, mm. I was like, oh, have you read this? Have you read this? Uh, have you read Getting the Yes? Have you read You Know How to Meet um, Friends and uh, whatever influence, that people. influence yeah. people have you like and you like you talk to people like they like they like I have no idea what you're talking about. I just like it's never even occurred to them most times to think about this. And it's like, oh well, because you have power, and it's like you don't really have to deal with yeah. uh, communicating with people. You just well, use the power to roll yeah. over. And it's uh, so that's like that's kind of like the secret shorthand I think to all these. And I I will I have read a lot of them, and I will probably continue to read them because in absence of power, you just kind of read these books. It's like, oh wow, other people have these problems. That's really, I think, what they provide. So it's kind of provide a little therapy for yourself. Mm. Yeah, there, I think, I think, I think what what you're saying, Brandon, I agree with is there's two paths. There's there's the path of the Buddha that you can go on, <laughs> or there's the path of a Morton Joe. You can go on that path. You've got to choose your your journey. And I think the path of a Morton Joe, you don't choose that journey. It just sort of happens, and uh, you're, <laughs> you're very unconscious of it. I was like I did not I did not choose the Morton Joe lifestyle. It chose me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Don't get addicted to water. It'll control you. That's that's the that's the takeaway. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, okay. you know, you know, <laughs> sort of let's easing on uh-huh. into the news relevant to those who care about infrastructure uh, software. Uh, mo- one of the most important things is I, I saw some news. You know, I subscribe to a lot of frequent traveler blogs, which I recommend if you never know which city you're in. It looks like British Airways has finally joined the TSA pre program. So I'm, I'm glad they've gotten with the program, metaphorically speaking. Now, I immediately, well, by immediately, I mean a few days later. A few days later, I logged into my uh, BA account because I wanted to just go enter my TSA pre number so that I could start using it. I couldn't find that anywhere, so I don't know what they're doing. Maybe, maybe when you actually have a flight, you can enter it in the flight. But I would just, if there's any British Airways programmers listening, you know, you need to follow like the way American does it, where you just go to your profile and you enter the number, and Always then it there. does it does as Larry Wall would suggest. I think he's the one who quipped this, right? That. Uh, no, this was the pragmatic programmers. They were like, 
<laughs> the the zenness of the saying in retrospect is amazing. They were like, software should do what users expect it to. And you're sort of like, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you want me to go down to the corner store and get you another pack of cigarettes? Because that was fucking helpful. But anyways... Uh yeah, so if if you're if you're flying on that direct flight between Austin and uh, London, you're you'll be set. Now now you can get your TSA pre on there, which is always annoying. You don't want to have to uh, take your shoes off, live like a monster. No. no. Also related, I didn't get a chance. I downloaded them, but I have not looked at the annual uh, Mary Meeker slides. I feel like oh, Brandon, man. you must have a sense of what's going on there. Sort of a uh, sort of a high level. What it, what it, what's the cover slide that we never uh, leave in the meeting? Yeah, sadly, I have not. Uh, uh, yeah, it's I was been so busy that I, uh, you know, not looking at those slides, haven't seen it. The only thing I did see with our friend Ben Thompson somehow mm. had a chart of like number of slides, and he this year I guess the number of slides as compared to the previous years has gone down. So we could oh, have wow. reached, wow. Uh, we could have re- uh, reached peak Mary Meeker. Yeah, because I, I think I think last year so. I did a lot of detailed coverage, so I I picked the right time. Sell high is is what I say. Uh oh. Oh yes, <laughs> sorry. You want to yeah, phase out there for a second? Yeah. Oh, it, it must you be this. Totally uh, out, okay. That's fine. I'll, I'll I'll maybe edit that or not. See, that's what happens. I'll let the <laughs> listener experience what what actually goes on. So uh, also there, there was a, a tremendous amount of, uh, well, there's some interesting stuff for our, our, our somewhat weekly Kubernetes corner. But why don't we pick some of the uh, smaller news items? Uh, what, what do you think, Matt Ray? You get, you get selection. You get the oh, first no. pick. Do you pick an in piece, <laughs> a centerpiece? What are you going to go for? No, no. I, I've, I've had a uh, – I don't think we actually we touched on the, uh, the, the new uh, Gartner Magic Quadrant for mm. IIS. Or, right. or for cloud. Uh, That's right. That came out last week. Um, yeah, we it, it probably came out right as we were, were recording last week, so we, we didn't get a chance to dive into this. But uh, you know, um, they they really dropped the the bow on uh, the definition of of uh, you know relevant to your interest as far as public cloud goes. Uh, they cut it from eighteen to six people Oof. in the uh, in the diagram and. Uh, you know, I'm trying to slowly uh, distance myself from reading the register for, you know, mental health reasons. But uh, that headline of, you know, cloud is the six horse race and, and three of those have been lapped. That's pretty brutal. Yes. <laughs> and pretty spot on. Right? Um, so so if you haven't read it, um, you know, the new magic uh, Gardner's new magic quadrant. Of course, you've got Amazon uh, top right, uh, you know, always uh, up, up and to the right. Uh, you've got Azure. Cutting the lead, getting a little closer. You've got Google is now in the, uh, the, the, the right part of the quadrants, you know, the magic part. And then um, you've got Oracle, uh, IBM, and Ali, Alibaba uh, filling out the, uh, what do they call that, the, the laggard, the, the quadrant of shame? What, what is mm. that thing called? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> let's see, you got your, your, they have the least completeness of vision and ability to execute. Mm. Although no no oh. I think I think technically uh, IBM has that then Oracle then Alibaba then Google then Microsoft then uh, Amazon Web Services if I if I remember how to do my uh, my four up quadrant uh, Euclidean math algebra calculus correctly your your, your curve fit yeah curve um, fit <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I mean, so and 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 then the uh, the article that you know they uh, justify cutting um, twelve uh, other public cloud vendors out. Um, usually, it's along you know keeping up uh, with the number of features, uh, the the uh, the actual investment, and being relevant worldwide. Because um, you know, public cloud now does mean worldwide, uh, not just North America. Sorry, y'all. Um, and then uh, you know, just whether or not they actually look like they're trying to stay in the game. And so there's, I don't remember seeing this on previous years. There are little directional arrows on the the quadrant. Um, were those there before? Mm, I I've seen that a little bit before. The 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 okay. best one, the best things, and and usually it's only if you're an account holder. Is occasionally uh, sometimes you can log in to their portal beyond their paywall, and they'll have a, a well, I don't know if they do this, but they have like a multi-year animation. Those are the funnest ones to watch to see them uh, bounce around. But mm-hmm. not too surprising they have arrows. Yeah, and so they they <laughs> they still show Alibaba and and, and Oracle. As you know, in pursuit, but they show IBM headed the wrong direction. You know, uh, also what's fun in in uh, the coverage that the register does. I'm, I apologize for contributing to your mental unhealth, uh, Matt Ray. If you've ever <laughs> read stuff I write there, uh, but uh, you know, the, the, there's some good commentary on uh, the strong hand of Oracle sales technique. Which which is delightful oh. to see documented. Uh, they they all but say like you're going to need to really manage your Oracle sales experience because they're going to uh, pressure you into spending more money. Which, you know, I guess I guess that matches the anecdotal stuff that all of us people who don't work at Oracle relish in talking about. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I remember the the fr- the first the first time there was a, a quadrant calling when things like you know Verizon dropped off and and all these other people. I think maybe there was one year where like the Dell Cloud was on there uh, when I was working on it, and then and then uh, of course once it was shut down, uh, it was dropped out. But it, it's a it's a you know they got to be careful, or there's only going to be like a few people on this quadrant, and then it'll be weird to have one because I guess because they also rate them all. Uh, well, I don't know if this is true, if they're rated on a curve, so to speak, relative to each other or more in an absolute term. But uh Well, they yeah. they, they have to they have to be relative, right? I mean mm-hmm. you 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 know <laughs> there is no reference cloud oh, that's you know, true. That, that 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 you can say like this is the zero you know, the zero XY is, you know, um, some NIST standard or something. Well, you know, I, it, I, I mean, you, I mean it all they has could, to be relative. They they could they could rate it relative to someone's subjective view of what the ur cloud is and 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 in that sense they could say you know rate it they could go into their spreadsheet and rate it on a scale of zero to ten about this cloud's capability to correctly do this functionality and then it wouldn't if i understand how if i if my understanding of how math works correctly uh like then it would not be relative to each other it would be relative to to whatever standard that they have right Yeah, I thought the thing that's kind of most interesting is kind of what you're saying before, Dokote. It's like, I guess they've so narrow. I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's the biggest confusing part of it was how they've taken IaaS and sort of redefined it, right? So, kind of just as a reader, yeah, I don't know if they're helping the reader as much, right, with by making it so narrow or cover in other places. But that seems to be. Uh, I don't know, maybe just a strange choice to me. Like when you look at the CNCF slide and all the craziness and all the different vendors and trying to make sense of this and then 
to kind of take so many capabilities and then exclude so many other people. Um, it just, I don't know. I just wonder of the value of it going forward, right? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to help people like navigate this space that much. Yeah. I mean, you know, this just end, you have two choices. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of just becomes like, a list of like popular cloud vendors, which I think most people know, right? And then, you know, obviously everyone always argues with the quadrants, but what, what you're really gonna have is like different customer bases, right? It's like, that's another way to look at this and say like, there's sort of installed customer bases and there's like some natural advantages that, that the customers already know who they have, right? Or who they know well. So it's like, what is, what is somebody brand new? You know what I mean? Other than just putting the slide up and being like, okay, well here are the six people we can pick from. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, what, what is, how is this helping educate, you know, the broader set of, you know, uh, of uh, Gardner users, right, or Gardner mm-hmm. uh, subscriptions? Like, it just, I don't know, just in this case, it kind of just fail, fails that test to me, right? And the idea, too, it's like, well, I mean, if you're only going to consider vendors that have everything integrated, right, off, what, 12 other vendors, and then you look at the CNCF slide, and you're like, well, there's, like, I don't know like a couple hundred vendors on that, like you're, well, you're just kind of on your own, right? Like, like, like what is, what does that help you with? Is is Gartner using this for other stuff? They're like, you know, Hey, we have this big tent, you know, we have this big thing that everyone talks about doesn't really influence you, but look, we also have things that are more focused. You know, if you, if you want to talk about like, I don't know, big data platforms or something, you know, that might be more relevant to your interest or, you know, mm. hosting providers, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, um, you know, everybody goes to uh, McDonald's for uh, a Big Mac, but you know what? They got a lot of other stuff on the menu. So oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll use this as a loss leader, you know, just to get eyeballs. Well, well let, let me suggest two things. And then one of you should tell us who, uh, who's brought this episode to our dear listeners. One, uh, I think, I think probably, if you were a full-on Gartner customer, you could get the. I guess you can download the free report, but usually there's a pretty good explanation of the criteria and then some commentary of slight variability to that criteria. Like, for example, as Matt Ray was saying, if you only care about uh, North uh, North America, then you know there would be a different option there, which which is all fine. And then also in addition to that, you know, if you wanted to use some of your Gartner consulting time, I'm sure you could get Lydia or whoever to come in. And uh, sort of ask her based on your criteria how she would uh, stack rank the choices for you, which would be different than what's in the quadrant, which is fine. Oh, right. you know, the, the quadrant is just the tip of the four up, uh, the, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then the second thing, just allow me to pro offer something to my, my analyst friends is I think I think ongoing uh, the important thing to, to sort start to analyze for the mainstream audience and, you know, obviously the CNCF and the cloud native stuff, that's important. But I think what will be key for just normal people, and I mean that in my usual best way, is like we need some analysis of like should you be doing private cloud or public cloud? Like where should you be putting the workloads? How do you determine that? And when is it good not to switch and to switch? Because as far as I can tell, that's not really covered in a very thorough way. Like it's almost like we need a magic quadrant for like public versus private cloud. That wouldn't be the right thing, but the discuss is which one is feasible and which one is not. Because like the current going answer is just like, I don't fucking know regulations and core services are important. So shut the fuck up and put it in private cloud, right? Like (laughs) that, that, that answer is like, it's great, including for pivotal and all sorts of people, but I don't really think there's a good, 
industry by industry analysis, let alone kind of workload analysis of what's feasible to put where and how to think through that. So people have to, uh, there's a lot of effort being put into thinking, uh, uh, duplicating thinking with that. So that's, that's all, that's all I want to suggest to the analyst people out there. You know, Mm -hmm. some people track it based on spend and what surveys are saying, which is a good start. But I think there needs to be a lot more commentary beyond those surveys and spend, like how are people actually thinking through this and what is realistic? What are what are actual barriers and what are not barriers? And I don't know what the answer is, but it'd be nice to get some uh, some coverage of that. So, Matt Ray, why yes. don't you tell us who who's sponsoring this episode? Hey, uh, so this, this episode of Software Defined Talk is brought to you by Datadog. Uh, They are a monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. You can sign up for a free trial at www.datadog.com slash SDT. Uh, This week, Datadog also wants you to know about their upcoming conference, DashCon, live in New York City, July 11th through 12th. You can register to attend at www-con.io slash SDT and use the discount dash SDT, all caps. You got to say it loud. And you can save 20%. Yeah, and uh, at the conference, they're going to have a bunch of good speakers. You know, one uh, speaker that's going to be there is one of uh, Google's staff SREs is going to be there. So you should probably go listen to their talk. And they're going to have a couple different tracks, one on performance, one on scalability, and one on teams. So you can go learn about DevOps, learn what it means to be an SRE, make sure your app's performing well, and uh, make sure it's all scalable. So as always, sign up. And tell them your friends from Software Defined Talk sent you. I just wore one of their T-shirts uh, two days ago. Very comfortable T-shirt. As I'm fond of saying, it has that kind of uh, long tail, as they used to say. So you can tuck it in if you want. <laughs> Very soft, effective T-shirt. I love it. Uh, so uh, also, uh, it's also in July, which, you know, when you're done with uh, uh, DashCon, which is July 11th and 12th, you can just fly on over to Minneapolis and go to DevOps Days in Minneapolis, which is July, July 12th to 13th. And, you know, I, th- I think it's one of the, uh, the, the better DevOps Days conferences out there. Uh, it, it's well run. Lots of good people involved in it uh, doing it. And if you want to get 20% off of that, you can use the code SDT2018 to register for it. And we'll put all of this in the show notes. So uh, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 137, you can find uh, links to that. And it also shows up in the, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? The uh, information in your podcatcher. I always like that phrase, podcatcher. That's fun. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, before we get to the, we should, we should cover the Kubernetes corner and there's other relevant stuff. I have one question for you, Matt Ray. Did you watch the tick? Yes. How, what's no, your reaction? No. <laughs> oh, did not watch it. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, so, so last week, uh, you know, I was in Chicago for ChefConf. Mm. Mm. Um, I flight back. Um, I watched uh, seven hours of the terror. Um, you know, it's uh, and still somehow managed to get seven hours of sleep on the same flight. Um, so that's because it's a haul. fucking long way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I I think it was twenty five hours from oh my. Uh, from my hotel door to my house door. Huh. Um, huh. So now, now have sense. have you made Executive Platinum yet, Matt Ray? I know you're, I know you're uh, Platinum Pro. Yeah, yeah, just just Platinum Pro so far, June first. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm 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 definitely tracking for uh, Executive Platinum again. 
According to my calculations, I will be 10,000 miles from uh, Executive Platinum when I get back from this trip, which I, I'm, I'm a little worried. I don't think I'm going to end up spending $40,000 on the, uh, the Advantage Executive card to get my 10,000 EQMs. So we'll see. Uh, they tell me that I should come back here to uh, Asia, so maybe that's in the cards. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I think I think you probably have some long flights ahead of you. Um, yeah, my, my mileage total is uh, 75000 300 so so yeah well platinum pro is pretty good it's 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 well like i said it's june uh and (laughs) i'm uh i'm going to india probably in two weeks and yeah there's probably a flight another flight back to the u.s in the in the card somewhere so all right right. well matt ray you still need to download the tick so you can see another terror and enjoy that there you go all right well this week this week in kubernetes corner i think i think we have uh, we have a few things going on one some of the uh, some people who had some drafts about KubeCon finally clicked publish, namely our friends yeah. at Red Monk, James Governor. I think he has a good yeah, overview. Yeah. There's also a uh, a, a pretty good uh, overview of the Kubernetes community from a company whose name I've forgotten, so their marketing half worked. And uh, let's see. Also, I, I don't I don't know if this is one of those self generated tempests in a teapot things, but from from our friend Matt Assay, there's a good uh, there's a good overview of the nerd fight. About uh, you know forking in in oh I Kubernetes do like land. nerd fights oh yeah, yeah. N- nerd fights are precious so so uh, I gave you the opportunity to pick our, our topic <laughs> last time Matt Ray Brandon p- pick one of these for us to go over um yeah I think we can keep going with the James Governor and the uh, the nerd fight here I mean I thought the you know I do think it's it sort of seems to become now it's like first there was the hot take. That Kubernetes is too complicated, so I think that's been well played out. And then now there's the whole like, do we even need Kubernetes? Is oh, it too complicated? Yeah. So that's that's sort of like playing itself out. And then our friends over, yeah. I actually listened to one of the Pod CTL uh, episodes uh, recently, and they were talking about they're kind of making the case that you know it's good that kind of the compartmental nature, the fact that you can plug and play lots of different Kubernetes stuff is you know is going to like help you know if you will. Kubernetes like not become the next uh, open stack right for for one reason or another but it got me thinking like I think the like you know I always like this is like my my trademark I just like to keep like popping up the stack right well, what's the real question I think the real question is just like you know like the the classic product monitor, you know the design thinking question is like what problem are we trying to solve here right and I think that's like always the uh, the thing you know the the question that underlies all these open source projects right is like have we defined the problem and kind of the scope and then are we working towards that? But you know, of course, no one ever has the time or effort to do that for lots of reasons. So it's more like, you know, OpenStack was like a tops down approach to like a cloud platform of some kind. And Kubernetes is sort of like a bottoms up approach. But like inevitably, it kind of gets to the same thing, right? It's like, actually, I really, you know, people, I think in Kubernetes, like, it's a little too hard and I wish it did more. Where I think OpenStack was like, it kind of does everything and it's too complicated, right? So it's like you kind of have to find that balance. <laughs> um, and, and, this is, and this is why somebody, like, there's some, somebody at Google or somewhere else right now in a corner is like, this is just too complicated. He's, like, writing his own thing, right? He's starting the next version of a, a bottoms-up product right. out there. So, um, so, I mean, I think it's important, right? I just think it would be better to ask that question, right? It's like... Uh, as I've said many times this podcast, there's like I think what people want, what Kubernetes is, and then there's like what people want it to be. But no, is like like whoever's trying to shepherd that right has a really difficult job, and it's sort of just going to play itself out over years, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that 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 is a good point. That would be a fun a fun study to have. Is the uh, uh, depending on if you are being optimistic or cynical, you could call it the uh, the perception misalignment or the desired state. And it would be fun to go out and survey the uh, whatever you consider the users are and say, what do you want this thing to be, and what do you think mm-hmm. this thing is, and then and then see align that to like what uh, the evolution of it. I don't know. I guess you could call that. Tell me if I'm wrong, Brandon. But product management. Is that what you would do in product management? Other than make sure the people who give you the most money get exactly what they want. I think those are the right. functions of Well, there's, management. you know, yeah, as to say, they're, they're really, you know, in the end, it's, it's always just, you know, whatever, uh, herding cats in some form or another. But I do think, you know, what I think is interesting is like why you see serverless so often mentioned with Kubernetes is I believe serverless actually, you know, again, we went over like why that's a bad name. But if we just kind of put that aside and say like, I think the vision of serverless is what people want, right? This idea that like, yeah, I just like, I don't have to worry about any of this. I just like, you know, write up my cloud functions and it just all works. And, you know, oh, that's, that's what Simon I Wardley is. calling right now. He wants, <laughs> he wants right. to weigh in. He's, he's in. Um, but I think that, so I think it's interesting because I think serverless, why it doesn't, it has lots of beneath it right there's not one in my opinion that dominates like i think there's obviously lambda there's open with there's a few others but there's nothing like a kubernetes inside that so like that's interesting because there i think you have the foundation of like a vision of what people i think they want it to be kind of coming together now the question there is like will there be any technology or product to really deliver that in a, a meaningful way um, and then Kubernetes, right, is sort of like this other thing. It's like, oh, man, it's just a really popular orchestration platform. Everyone's using it. And then there's, you know, everyone kind of just keeps like ever after someone makes plays with it for a couple of weeks, they're like, wow, man, it's like really complicated. That's like I'm surprised how hard this is. Maybe I should just keep doing what I was doing. Right. I think that's exactly where you know most people are at this point. Well, I, I think yeah. I think you raised some some good framing here, Brandon. And then I just want to relate another another good post I would recommend everyone to read. So it's uh, there's from the Netflix people. There's this uh, overview of the full lifecycle developer, sort of reclaiming the idea of the full stack developer, which I think was thoroughly made fun of by the uh, DevOps thought lords for quite some time. But but the, there's there's a good documentation of like these little uh, bits and pieces you hear of how. I, to to put it in my phrasing, how Netflix does CRE and thinks about platform stuff. And essentially what they say in this post, and again, it's well worth reading on its own, uh, not least of which because they, they, they artfully hustle you to go work there at the end, which is fantastic. Always. But, always. Yeah, you, always, always be hiring, as, as, they, <laughs> as they say. Uh, anyhow, they say essentially what we do, the practices that we follow is uh, we want our application teams to focus on applicationing. But they also need to be aware of how things run and their stuff runs in production, so they're responsible for that, uh, more, more or less. But also, there's a lot of duplicative stuff uh, that, in, that could end up being done at the platform level, the, the infrastructure level and services. So as we find these things, we have separate teams, tools and platform teams that build these shared platforms and tools. And therefore, people can use those shared platforms and tools so that they don't have to be full-stack developers. They can pay attention to the application level. And I think... That's kind of the other side or uh, another way of, of, of thinking about what you're talking about, Brandon, is like, and this is like the jokey point that I always get to is like, so so where's the part where we write the application that the users use? Are, are we going to get to that at some point? <laughs> or uh, or is it just like I have a, I'm finally doing my presentation on uh, Kubernetes for the confused here at Vox Days uh-huh. in, in uh, 
wherever the fuck I am, Singapore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as, as, it's a as I, place. yeah, no, actually Singapore is awesome. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like Houston except different. Uh, but it has the same climate and it's like Houston, except it has a downtown or I should say is a downtown. Um, anyhow, yeah. Anyhow, uh, you know, I start the framing with like, everyone's really into bringing up clusters of blinking cursors. And so let's look at that. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that would be a a fun way to start looking at it and kind of, kind of wrangle the community together so that they don't go full on open stack in a bad way is like, let's, let's make sure we focus on the point of doing all of this. Uh, and, and I think, I think, a lot of people have a good a good picture of what the point is. And, for example, uh, I think if you were to read that Netflix thing and then put the word Kubernetes in, in, in lots of stuff, it would be a component of, of what they're doing. And, indeed, I think that's what a lot of people uh, want to do. And and then just one more thing I've, I've been reflecting on. I had this, uh, uh, I don't know, EVC that didn't go very well a little while ago. And uh, we were talking with the infrastructure people, and uh, I, I sort of didn't really tune my pitch to them very well. I gave them the application pitch. And, I, and I've been thinking, like, how do you pitch to infrastructure people, you know, the infrastructure part of the organization? And I think part of it is, like, in some sense, being realistic, it's not their job to care about the application. All they care about is the blinking cursor. And so you kind of want to talk to them about how all these application people just want you to get the, a blinking cursor, and there is a way to achieve that, and you've sort of done your job, which I think it, it would be nice to bring in a little bit more sympathy for the uh, the enterprise people. And then, and then, yeah, serverless. So apparently, even James Governor is like Kubernetes. I don't think he. I don't think he would ever say something is dead because he's been around long enough. Uh, but he's, as he says, Kubernetes has, and I inserted commas for him. In fact, already lost the war to serverless. So uh, everything that we just said, ignore that. Just get serverless, and and you'll be done. <laughs> Go with it. Where, where, but I do think, where can I buy this serverless? Yeah, I was thinking, but you know, your point about the whole the whole idea about you know full stack developer. I've, I've been thinking like this other kind of like concept just in my mind as I as I think I mentioned on here as I've like been building my own little iPhone app just to like learn how to do it and stuff. And like it really kind of makes me think more about like full stack developer. It's more like framework developer, right? Because like you know as as mm, you know you get away from good. programming and then. When you get away from programming for a while, but then you come back in, it's like, you know, the stuff that stays with you, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you sort of like have some computer science background or you've just done any programming, right? it's like, oh, you know, object oriented, you're familiar with model view controller and encapsulation. And I'm like, like, that's all like very much like all the stuff, you know, all of the stuff that we do, like once you kind of get over that part of understanding computer science, like you're ready, right? But then the next thing is like, now you got to go learn these specific like learning the Apple Swift framework to build something. It's like, that's what's hard, right? But once you learn that, you want to use it as much as you can, right? So that's, and I think that's kind of the same thing with Kubernetes or OpenStack or any of these things. It's like, that's really what I think people are talking about. It's like how, you know, once I get familiar with these frameworks, it'd be great if I could just stay productive in them for a while rather than having to go use something else all the time. So like, what's the framework I should use? I think that's the same thing at Netflix, right? It's probably what they're saying. It's like my understanding when I talk to people at Netflix is they do have all these utilities, right? They just have like a a whole like sets of frameworks you can use all the time. And once you get really familiar with that, then that's great. But like, it's really, you're really productive in that one area in that one environment. If you went somewhere else, you'd have to learn the new frameworks and it's like, oh, this is going to be a pain in the ass again. Mm -hmm. So, so I think it's less, because I don't know, like sorting algorithms and the big data, like so many of these things, when you get in the frameworks, it's figured out. Like the Apple stuff just is, you know, it's top of mind. It's like 
their library is awesome, man. They got like everything, man. The core graphics, like you don't, you know, you just like you just gotta learn how to call it and use it. It's not like you have to sit there and like draw the pixels yourself, right? They figured all that out for you. So I think, you know, I think a lot of the same thing on in the distributed computing side. It's like most people are just trying to figure out how to configure Kubernetes, not like get in there and like I'm gonna rewrite the clustering and the algorithm. Oh, yeah. It's like no. I just I just need to like know it to do it or OpenStack or you know any of the the projects that we talk about. I that that'll be that'll be the uh, the new I got in and rewrote the encryption in movies. I'll say I, I rewrote the clustering and now we can get yeah. in to steal the document. Well, I think I think I think to close it out and we'll move to recommendations uh, after I summarize the stuff. I think to use my favorite to crib my favorite presentation title ever from Doctor Nick, it's like you know Kubernetes, but I just finished upgrading from Diablo. And, you know, it's just sort of like always having to, to shift around. So there's a, there's actually some more interesting links in the show notes if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 137. Of interest to the three of us, as always, is the ongoing uh, excitement over at BMC, which it looks like uh, the, the, P, the private equity owners have sold it to KKR, uh, you know, uh, always an exciting firm there. And there, there's a little bit of coverage from uh, Brennan over at 451. And the theory is that, that basically there's not much of a profit on it, that they've sold it for somewhere around $6.9 which I didn't realize had been five years, but they, uh, they went PE about five years ago. And uh, also, according to Brennan, they make about $2 billion each year. I don't know what, the, uh, what cash they're throwing off or their cash flow or all that stuff. But, you know, BMC, 6,000 employees in 30 countries. That's, that's, a, that's a big company. Uh, that, yep. that people are always interested in. Now, also of note, I guess I'm doing more than summarizing this, but it's another good example of when journalists, uh, much like me when I talk about Kubernetes, they don't really dig very deep into into <laughs> describing what it is. So if you go read some of the coverage, you'll see their odd characterizations of what uh, what BMC does. As, as the Bloomberg article says, I think, uh, BMC v- builds various types of software. Good so far. They build software. Solutions for businesses looking to manage and streamline their information. Wow. Not sh- not sure what that means. I thought that's what Watson did. Oh, hey, or like <laughs> Documentum or something. Oh but my gosh. Anyhow, so also in there, there's uh, there there's some good links to uh, you know updates on uh, infrastructure market uh, sizing, and uh, looks like there's some good growth there. And uh, some other surveys on why people care about digital transformation and uh, and things like that. So, uh, just as a reminder, uh, if you've listened to this before I release it this afternoon at five p.m., I'll be at uh, speaking about Kubernetes at Vox Days, and then and then I'm not actually speaking at it, but I'll be at DevOps Days Amsterdam, June twenty eighth and twenty ninth. You should come up and get a sticker, a sticker, a sticker. I uh, I spoke at a local meetup last night here in Singapore, and uh, the the leader of it, Sergio, had a he show, he proudly showed me his software defined talk sticker on his laptop. It looked good job, Brandon. It, yeah. it looked it looked very uh, very gentlemanly, very nice on there. And then of course, uh, if you're interested in uh, all that stuff Brandon was talking about, why the fuck we actually care about a blinking cursor. You should come to Spring One Platform, which is September 24th to 27th in Maryland. You can get crabs, uh, pick up some Old Bay seasoning. Old Bay, that's Maryland, right, Brandon? I don't want to. Yes, it is. In, okay, yes, okay, good, is. good. I don't want to. In, in the Northeast. I don't want to insult anyone. <laughs> and uh, if you use the code S1P200 underscore Cote, don't worry, that's in the show notes. You can get $200 off registration, and hopefully I'll get a fancy pin. 
Also, you should go to uh, springonetour.io, and uh, globally we're having these day-long events where you learned about spring, doing other stuff like that. And then just rounding up our advertisements, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, look in the header, you can join our Slack channel, which I recommend. Lots of activity going on in there, and you can uh, buy a Software Defined Talk, uh, what would you call it, a t-shirt? And uh, also you can get stickers for free. Brandon will gleefully mail them to you. So far, anywhere in the world, free of charge, if you email your address... Remember, your address is important, your mailing address, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Any, any, uh, any listener feedback you want to cover this week, Brandon? Yeah, I do. So uh, I want to thank Gabriel, uh, requested a sticker from uh, Puerto Rico, he even asked, is he the first one from Puerto Rico, which indeed he was. So he said uh, he took that as a personal challenge to uh, get out the vote, if you will, but find some more listeners for us. So it was uh, exciting to send one to Puerto Rico. And then Daniel uh, actually made me send him a sticker all the way to South Austin, which, which is very difficult. <laughs> That's like probably if, uh, for those that live in Austin, it's like, there's no way I could drive all the way to Mopac all the way. You no, know, that's just no. way, that's way too far. I'd rather fly to Amsterdam than, uh, try to do that. So really appreciate those guys listening. And as Cote said, just send your name and address to stickers at software defined talk, and we will send you one and you can be part of the, the cool kids as well. Also, also those seven eight seven zero four people. I don't know. I don't know. Is that really part of Austin? Or are they kind of their own thing? <laughs> I got. I got. I got to figure that out. They they got something going on there. Uh, anyhow, so uh, Matt, uh, why why don't you give us your recommendations first? Um, I'm still kind of working through them. Uh, you know, I, I think last episode I recommended The Terror uh, after only having watched uh, two episodes. I got one more. <laughs> so um, I'm in for the long haul, uh, but I'm enjoying it. Um, I'll, I'll probably have some some something new to recommend next week. I, I got a new book I'm about to crack open, so uh, hopefully I can get to that soon. Now, now give us give us a little bit of, of, of color here, as they say. What What yes. is it that you like about the terror? What, let, let me ask this in a more detailed way that yeah. doesn't reveal any plot. What What sort of like state of, of feeling to be all NVC, does it evoke in you as you're watching it that you enjoy? Gotcha. So, so it, it's uh, the genre is historical fiction horror. Whoa! Um, yeah, and I already uh, feel good. On, yeah, it's 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 based off a real event. So you know, part of part of the uh, the uh, um, the historian nerd in me, you know, enjoyed reading the uh, accounts of uh, ships trying to make the Northwest Passage in 1847. Um, that's kind of brutal, you know, being stuck on the ice in your ship for maybe a year or two. Mm. Uh, that 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 was chilling, if you will. And hey, uh, hey, you still um, got it, Matt Ray. Yeah, still got it. And and, and the author uh, uh, Dan Simmons is is exceptional. Like he's a, he's a really good science fiction author, also a very good horror author. He he splits his name. I think he puts a middle initial in or something when he switches genres. But whatever. Um. So he, you know, good author, and then seeing the things that you had in your mind on screen, um, you know, very high production values. Uh, lady next to me on the on the flight from uh, LAX to to Sydney said, "What what are you watching? That that that's horrific. Can I have a copy?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and you're like, you know what I'm watching is a preview of the meal I'm going to get in coach on this flight. <laughs> Oh, hey, uh, premium economy, baby. Hot take. Uh, Am I right? Am I right? Hot yeah. take. See, I made a joke like you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Congratulations. good acting. 
good good production values good script all right all, all right well that's good i i'm gonna have to check that out that's uh yeah. that, that's in the netflix right uh, i don't know where it's from it was amc so it was mm. a 10 10 episode miniseries i guess i might have to buy that or something so uh so brandon this week what, what do you got for the listeners uh, listen to uh, another good audiobook, Station Eleven. It's uh, sort of like a dystopian look at the future. And uh, a few people said it remind. I have not read The Road. I think I saw the movie, and but it reminded me a lot of like Area X and The Road, and well, you know, sort of kind of different, different um, kind of different timelines and uh, some interesting characters, and they kind of all like you know are related in some distant way. So. Uh, you know, it's funny. It was, I was I was reading about it as I was going to recommend this. It's called like fantasy. It's in fantasy, but even the author kind of says like it's interesting. Like when you can't like maybe find the right genre for the book, it's like yeah, it's definitely sort of like has some science fiction in it, but not really. So it's more just like a you know just a regular fiction book. Uh, but it's good. It was actually really it was really good. It was real captivating. So uh, if you're looking for something to listen to or something to read, check out Station Eleven. Man, I I feel like I've read this book. Or maybe it's just been recommended to me. I, I think I'm confusing it with. It looks like it's a zombie book, right? But it it looks. I think I'm confusing it with another zombie book where there's a guy who like works in the zombie killing squad in New York or something, and uh, how he's dealing with himself. But maybe I should check that out. I've been looking for a good good. Fiction yeah, I book. I know. Um, we'll look up what that zombie book is because I read that one. And I did not like it as much. This was, I think more, uh, hmm. this is had a little bit more action, but it's kind of, you know, it's again, very similar to that same kind of, like, I don't know what you would call that genre, right? Where it's like that zombie book is, isn't, you know, there's not that much science fiction in it. It's more like, yeah, just, like, you a, can, I think, I think they book, call it you know? post-apocalypse fiction. Yeah. So it's good though. Yeah. So if you like that kind of stuff in the book, we can't remember, you know, you'd probably like this one too. Well, Brandon, you should read the road. That's that's it's very uncormac McCarthy, or at least in timeline, very Cormac McCarthy, and it's yeah. uh, and it, and it's uh, uh, what what's 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 the amoral that is just like there are no morals. It's it's like you know there's atheism, and then and then but atheism is this active denial of of religion, whereas there's the other one that's like I don't even recognize the words that are coming out of your mouth when you talk about religion, like. Any, anyhow, that's sort of like is that's it like immoral? brutal realism? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's a hallmark of. <laughs> I don't know if this is why we named our son after him necessarily, uh, but but that's the char- the hallmark of a good Cormac McCarthy plot is it's very immoral. There's just like the whole idea that ethics and morals exist just doesn't exist in their stories, and and I think the road is a good representation of that. And as a father of a son, uh, I don't know. It's an especially poignant book to read <laughs> it, it, it covers yeah. that relationship well uh so anyhow uh well my recommendation this week I've, I've got a few of them uh you know we were mentioning tv shows i i've been watching uh star trek voyager as my sort of road stuff or you know the video and it's just it's just light uh entertaining fare to read and it's the usual star trek stuff made in Whatever era where like there's a few cringeworthy things in there and uh, and things like that, but overall the plots are pretty good. I don't think it's as good as the um, well, it's hard to judge the different ones, but the new series they have, Star Trek Discovery, is 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 much is really good. It's sort of like the uh, I don't know the the sort of modern day interpretation of Star Trek where there's a lot more darkness and flawedness uh, to to the characters, and uh, yeah, Voyager is fun. But there is, if if you watch it, there's this Neelix guy in there, and he's fucking totally obnoxious. It's unfortunate that that character's in there. And he's also got this space mullet that's just, like, 
just laughable to uh, to look at. But you know, if you haven't watched that in a while, it's good to just kind of burn through those uh, on on your plane ride. Uh, well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to uh, get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 137. And uh, you can see all the stuff we've referenced and the things that we didn't. You know, you can look at all the past episodes there and uh, things like that. Now, I haven't recorded uh, an episode of, of my other podcast, uh, Cashed Out, that you can get at cashedout.coffee. But I think uh, Robert and I will be recording something uh, very soon because I miss talking with them. But you, you can peruse the, the, the back episodes there. They're uh, timeless, as they say. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Let's go. What are we talking let's about? Let's do this. Woo. All right, let's pull this. I'm ready. Well, that, that, that was a good segment for me to edit and put at the end of the recording, which I will do. As the hidden track. I hope people discover our hidden tracks. Anyhow, let me, let me start for real.